Hi and welcome to ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike. I'm Sharda Ogra and uh, in this special episode of our podcast, uh, we are talking to Venki Mysore, CEO of Red Chilies Entertainment and CEO Managing Director of uh, the IPL team, uh, the Knight Riders, as well as Director on the board of the Trinbago Knight Riders. Uh, welcome, uh, Venki. Welcome to uh, Stump Mike. Thank you very much, Sharda. Really uh, great uh, connecting with you and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Venki, let's let's begin this conversation uh, with you know the question that I'm sure you get asked by everyone, uh, and, and that's the question that all of us basically seem to ask each other: How is the Night Riders franchise managing uh, during the lockdown? How are you dealing with it? Uh, what are the, the the sentiments? What's the activity going on? Because this would have been probably your most busy time of the year, and suddenly it's all very quiet. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, no. I like I was. Uh, I tell a lot of people that you speak with these days from different parts of the world that perhaps this is a. I kind of refer to it as incredible times. Um, so it uh, it's not necessarily a negative. Uh, so incredible is uh, is my way of describing it. But what's unique about uh, this time is this is the first time we're seeing something like this in our lifetimes, and uh, the conversation goes along very similar lines. Everyone is working from home, and uh, you know they're using technology to to stay connected, and uh, so that's that's our situation as well. Uh, I must say that it's um, uh, I mean when the lockdown and work from home type of uh, protocol was uh, introduced uh, i think all of us were suddenly like you know okay so what is this and how do we cope with this and so it's been now uh, practically two months uh, i must say that it is uh, you know i think technology is something that we have to be very thankful for uh, because 10 15 years ago we probably wouldn't have been able to do all the things that we're able to do it right now and i think uh, connecting with the teams you know, whether it's a Zoom call or Skype or WhatsApp or multiple ways in which we all stay connected, uh, it is it is quite, uh, uh, I think we're all managing to stay productive. And I think deep down, we're all beginning to realize that there is a lot that we can do from home. And uh, so, so that's the positive about it. And uh, I think the challenges obviously are that we're not able to uh, have the physical interaction and be there face to face and work through it. But I think from a night rider standpoint, you know, obviously for us, you know, staging the tournaments, whether it is IPL or CPL, as you rightly uh, in the introduction mentioned, our interests uh, until the seasons actually happen, uh, we are working very, very hard to be in a state of preparedness. Uh, and you're right about uh, these months, April and May. Uh, when I get my calendar alerts, you know, it, it says we're going to be playing Mumbai Indians today or Kings 11 the day after. Uh, that would have been the schedule. We would have been on flights, running around, doing stuff. But uh, uh, such is life. That's where it is. But uh, fingers crossed and staying optimistic that uh, hopefully sooner or later things will settle down here and then we can we can get back to business. Uh, what has the reaction been, say, from players particularly? What do you hear from players about the fact that uh, the IPL, which for some of them is, is the event of their cricket year, uh, is postponed? Uh, how optimistic are you about the sort of postponement uh, actually there being an event uh, uh, this year? 
uh, what's the general conversations going around uh, in the back room of uh, the night riders you know we stay in touch with everyone and i'll uh, you know get into a little bit on how we all stay connected but uh, whether it's support staff or players uh, i think indian players so we are we constantly in touch and uh, as you probably know a big uh, part of our initiative was the kkr academy and uh, leading up to uh, the 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 tournament they we were so active you know abhishek nai romka salvi these guys who run our uh, uh, academy were completely in touch with every single player and the preparation was uh, was quite amazing uh, i think uh, talking to every single player in one way or the other way in touch foreign players indian players support staff indian foreign etc i think the uniform sentiment that i get is that uh, people can't wait for the tournament to happen uh, everyone is anxious to find out uh, i think at a fundamental level leaving aside just the profile of ipl and you know obviously everything else that goes with it uh, you know they're all professionals and i think they are happiest when they're out in the field playing uh, cricket and doing what they do best uh, so everyone's missing that big time uh, i'm sure the fans are missing it as well all of us are Uh, so the general sentiment is you know what's going on you know what are the chances you know we'd love to love for it to happen anything we can do etc that's the kind of positive sentiment that i hear and uh, from the standpoint of uh, of uh, uh, the possibilities of of the tournament you know i think you know we're all very cautiously optimistic you know needless to say these are very unusual times and if you take a step back Uh, the number one priority is the is the safety and the health of everybody and uh, so there's no compromises to that uh, i think you know we are, we are clearly something you know from this from that standpoint the number one thing is uh, the the health and safety but everyone is saying what is it that we can do anything we can do to facilitate uh, and so i am keeping fingers crossed and and uh, would like to believe that there's there is an opportunity perhaps later in the year when things settle down a little bit and then we uh, you know we we stay in a we stay prepared and and hope for the best and then see if we can uh, make it all work one of the most important uh, sort of uh, issues that has come uh, through all sport that is happening and and the fact that all sport that was was brought to a complete halt uh, is is how will this affect uh, the business aspect of it the economy you know everyone uh, uh, seems to believe uh, and and certainly there are predictions about the fact that the business of cricket uh, could change you know uh, almost uh, unrecognizably uh, some of it might sound like doomsday some of it might just be uh, a safe bet almost but uh, do you think in terms of uh, the revenues that cricket generated the broadcast rights the general uh, uh, sort of uh, profit um, that they seem to be attached to cricket uh, and particularly say uh, a franchise cricket do you think that has seen its apex uh, and do you think how will the cricket economy uh, be affected by this because uh, I, I, we are in india which is the center of that of that economy um, and and you know so what happens here will i assume have its impact everywhere else uh, across the globe um, how will that in your in, in your mind uh be transformed after this uh, after this period yeah so you know this is something that we think about a lot uh, shard obviously 
uh, one thing, you know, the old uh, adage that the only thing constant in life is change. So in the best of times, I think we always have to be prepared that things would change. But these are such unusual times that I think every one of us is trying to come to terms with, uh, you know, call it crystal ball gazing or uh, or using science and using data to try and understand what are the things that could be different. And, uh, well, nobody is able to predict this, but one thing that I know for a fact, and we start with that premise that what we knew as normal mm. uh, is not going to be the case anymore. I think that's that's pretty clear. Uh, I don't think there is any kind of uh, doubt about the fact that uh, you know, if you look at the paradigm in which we were all operating and, and our own business was operating on that basis. So whether you think in terms of, uh, uh, think in terms of, uh, you know, IPL and saying, okay, here's the stadium and we sell tickets and there's ticket revenue and then there is food and beverage that's sold in the stadium and then there is perhaps merchandising that we do, you know, while the games are on. Uh, and then there is obviously, uh, you know, sponsorship that we have done and how we activate the sponsors. And therefore, that's the revenue that's generated off that. And then, of course, the share of the media rights, etc. So this is this is the existing model. Uh, what we know now is that at least some of the things we know for a fact is that for the foreseeable future, until such time, there is a there's a vaccine that everybody has access to. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough to to expect, and I, I was thinking the other day and saying, when's, when's the next time we're going to see a, a packed Eden Gardens? You know? Yes. Uh, which in itself is a is is a sight, and yes. it's an incredible sight. Now, when are we going to see that? I think we're definitely going to have some challenges. And if we are lucky enough that things will settle down for the tournament to take place later on in this year, uh, it's clearly going to be what they call as a stadium lockdown mode. I think some mm. of the sport around the country, around the world rather, is uh, is on the verge of restarting. And we all know that it's going to be like that, which means what? The implication is straight away, you know, your ticket revenues are affected, your food and beverage revenue are affected, and perhaps your some of your merchandising, you know, physical sales at the stadium is, is affected, uh, uh, you know, then the challenge to us is, you know, how do you activate uh, the sponsors? You know, how do you, is there, are there ways in which you can compensate for this? Uh, although uh, the, the media rights and all of those things should uh, remain the same. But I think notwithstanding that, I, I certainly, I'm not one of the people in the camp which says doomsday. I actually tell my team and I, I remind okay. myself <laughs> that during these times are the ones when actually some incredible ideas can come out. Uh, Because just on a side note, I'll tell you, I mean, in all my working years, I feel this is the very first time that I've had time to think. Really? And, uh, you know, because otherwise we are always on the run. We are always sort of, we become very task oriented and we have a clock ticking in our heads and therefore uh, there's very little time to think. And so here, whether it is our, Entertainment business on Red Chili's, if I'm wearing that hat or I'm wearing the Knight Riders hat, whether it's CPL, IPL, I just feel that, you know, there's a lot more time to think through it. So take a step back. And I feel that these are times when we, if we can stay positive and think outside the box, uh, we'll be perhaps in a position to think about ideas and, and look at the new 
paradigm that is emerging. What that is, nobody is very clear about. You know, I, I, I don't want to use the phrase new normal because it's been so so often used already that I have yeah. become a bit allergic to that already. Yeah. But uh, what we know is that, you know, what's the new world like? What's the right. new world going to be like? And and I think we are reimagining our businesses. And from right. that perspective, you know, what's what I know is already happening is that the world as we know it is consuming more content than ever before. I mean, this is this is a fact. And that's great news, whether it is live entertainment in the form of our sports business or whether it is any other form of content today, whether it's you know, people on OTT platforms, television, they're consuming content because, you know, we are at home and we want to be entertained. And uh, so that's that's great news. So that hasn't stopped. Now, therefore, how do we take some of these changes and harness it in a way that would benefit our business? And therefore, can we come up with some innovative ideas? Uh, I think if we channel our energies, energies the right way, we will. And so that's why I'm very, very, very optimistic about it. And uh, so we've been sort of brainstorming and sort of thinking about all kinds of crazy stuff and ideas. And uh, and, and hopefully from that perspective, uh, you know, I, I do believe that it might actually end up being better in some ways. Uh, so let's let's see how that goes. The, the interesting what you said about, uh, you know, fan engagement and, and sponsorship and, and having out of the box crazy ideas. I mean, if you could share some of, some of them with us, we'd be very happy to listen to uh, some of it. Uh, you are following what's happening in uh, sports leagues elsewhere that they've got, uh, you know, uh, piped, uh, piped cheering fed into their speaker, into their public address system. Uh, fans are willing to pay for having their photographs. Uh, put on to cardboard cutouts at uh, football, uh, baseball games in Taiwan and so on. Uh, uh, what are the ideas? Uh, two questions here at this point, Venki. What are the mm-hmm. ideas, particularly with regard to fan engagement, uh, you think that would have to be worked through? Because that that people-to-people contact that uh, every IPL team had during this period, sponsors as well as fans, is, is uh, not happening at this point and doesn't look like it will happen in the future. And the second one is, that will the prices around the cricket uh, business, the cricket economy, will they sort of course correct themselves, whether those are broadcast rights, uh, sponsorship rights of a player uh, uh, playing uh, sort of auction uh, bidding uh, fees and so on. Will those things correct themselves? So two questions but slightly unrelated to each other, but uh, very central to the IPL uh, uh, experience. Yeah. So uh, I think answering the first part, um, I really think live sports, uh, live entertainment, let, let me not say sports, but live entertainment is, is going to continue to be running at a premium because everything else is on demand right now. Right. I mean, you can you can literally go through your list in you know, news and, you know, other type movies and series and content, whatever else you want is all on demand. So people have already gotten into the habit of saying, I want to consume that type of content where I want, when I want, how I want, at a price that I want to pay. And and therefore, but live entertainment, there's no substitute to that. Right. Uh, so that's that's a terrific position to be in, number one. Number two is that in a stadium lockdown mode, I know there's a lot of discussion that has happened and people say, you know, how would it be, uh, you know, playing to empty stadiums? Uh, I mean, it'll be it'll be it'll be different. Let's face it. And frankly, you know, with all due respects, there are forms of cricket that has already been happening in empty yeah. stadiums. 
And so that won't be new to many people. <laughs> and I feel sad about it. Uh, when you see a Ranji Trophy final that is played, I mean, yes. why go that far? We talk about IPL and full stadiums, but you know, there are very few like IPL where, yeah. which can attract the types of crowd. And the reason it can do that is because of the quality of the product. So I think right. it is, I think it's incumbent upon us to continue to work on the quality of the product. And IPL has become that kind of premium marquee product that draws the eyeballs, whether it's on television or streaming or people coming and standing in line and, you know, 70,000 yeah. people filling up in Eden Gardens game after game. That happens only because of the quality of the product and yeah. the experience that, that we're able to give. Now, therefore, you know, how do you sort of look at a situation where you're being handicapped because of this situation and then uh, what are the ideas? So some of the ideas that I feel, see, technology is going to play a massive role. Mm. Now, I'm I'm just saying, you know, I mean, if you're thinking out of the box, you know, LED walls, you know, in, in yeah. stands where people can, well, literally through social media, their presence through social media can can virtually be present there. Right. And and then, you know, there are, there are people who will be reacting the same way that they would if they were physically on the ground. You know? So... Right. The, the crowd noise that we're talking about, you know, so people have said something about uh, uh, simulation. I remember, uh, I mean, I lived in the U.S. for several years and uh, became an American football fan. Mm. And, you know, home games and away games are big, big events there. Because right. the crowd is, the crowd becomes literally your 12th man. You know? Yeah. And, and so what uh, visiting teams used to do when they practiced was actually to blast crowd noise on speakers, just to okay. sort of get used to it more than anything else. Yeah. Because the, the noise can be deafening on a, in a match situation. So yeah. there, are, there are situations like that. I mean, to give you a small example, we had done something from a fan engagement way back in 2014, when you remember half of the tournament happened in the UAE. Yes. So we had actually, with a technology company, developed an app where you, one could download that on their, on their mobile phones and they could actually, Indian fans, majority of them couldn't come there, obviously. And so they were able to send their kind of, what sort of noise would you like to make? You know, is it a trumpet? Would you like to scream? Would you like, you know, drums played? So there were there were icons on an app where they could actually do that and connect to uh, a gateway through, a, a, through something that we had created on KKR. So the DJ there would actually yeah. get this. And so he would actually announce and say, Fans from Kolkata are sending their cheer to you, and then it was some sort of a noise that was made. Now, right. I mean, it, and people who are actually watching it on television and getting that, and we, we sort of found ways to integrate uh, the fans who are watching, just felt somehow connected to the whole thing. That, yes, you know, my noise was also included in this. <laughs> and that's what sports is all about. That's the, that's the craziness, that's the madness of sports. So I feel that's one of the things that can happen. I think in course of time, when you look at VR and AR type of stuff, it is going to be a very different type of fan experience. I think when my sense is technology companies are going to get a jump on this situation and realize that they'll have to actually, they have the opportunity to come and fill the void. And that void could very well be, and this could apply to many things that we do in uh, in our businesses and uh, other vocations that literally your your virtual presence there i mean there are sci-fi movies today when you watch you can actually see you know yeah. what vr and ar does and you know if instead of us having a 
conversation here on Skype, if you know, if we were able to virtually sit across from each other, which is which is not far off. Yes. I don't think we are far off from that. And so, can you? I think you can imagine a world where when we start talking about traveling, and that's going to be a huge challenge in the in the new world because of of just the fact that uh, you know there are various risks associated with travel now. That people could virtually be anywhere they want to be, and they could right. be sitting in stadiums, enjoying that experience for a period of time or for the entire duration and 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 having as much fun as they would have had, you know, had they stood in line and gone in there, got themselves a ticket and, and sat at a particular place, you know. And, you know, even in terms of watching the game, I mean, I might, you know, through, through technology be in a situation where I want to stand right behind where the wicketkeeper is, you know. Or I want to stand where the umpire is standing. Right now, you've seen cameras that are on the caps of umpires. Just to give that experience to, and, and players wearing certain types of things, you know, you've, you've seen that already. Right. But in a, 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 if a fan can actually literally orchestrate, you know, the angle and where they want to be in a position to watch the game and enjoy it. Uh, so some of these things are coming down. Is it going to happen in the next six months? No. But these are, this is the exciting part of the kind of business we are in and the opportunities that we have. So, so for me, it's, it's quite exciting to, uh, to, to imagine a world where all of these things can actually happen. And as somebody put it, see, change was coming. All of these things were happening. And, you know, I mean, we talk a lot about the long form of uh, the game and why crowds are not coming, whereas 2020 is drawing the crowds. Uh, that's a completely another discussion. Yes. You can get into that if you like. But, <laughs> but nevertheless, change was coming. But I think what the pandemic has done, it's put change on steroids. And yeah. it's already here. Yeah. So those of us who can uh, who can maintain, I hope all of us can maintain a very positive outlook towards this, look for opportunities and, and imagine what our future can be and uh, and be prepared for that rather than you know, like you put it, you know, there is a tendency for a doomsday type of mindset too, yes. which which really doesn't help. And the ones who are who are going to be ready and who are, uh, you know, who are who are ready for change and prepare themselves are going to be way ahead of the game. And I hope we are we are part of that change. Uh, it's it's fantastic what you said about you know the the LED wall uh, yeah. on, in a stadium you know uh, things of that sort almost beam me up Scotty kind of uh, brought to life for every every spectator watching in some form or the other with uh, virtual reality um, whatever that is uh, just just to just to uh, and that, that that this is part of the discussion and 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 the and the role of technology uh, as to sort of uh, increasing the the spectator experience and enriching it i think uh, just to come to come down to sort of the brass tacks of of uh, the business uh, side that you're in mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the things that uh, we were wondering about is what happens which all of us wonder about um, is what happens to sort of player payments if uh, either the ipl is shortened or uh, if it cannot happen for for whatever let's say let's start with shortened because that's a better uh, a more positive uh, way, way to look at it. Uh, what happens to say one of your, your big money players? Do they get paid? Uh, like someone like Pat Cummins, uh, do they get paid, or is it all or nothing? Because there's a mega auction next year. What is that? Uh, what are those uh, discussions or, or, or that kind of planning happening with regard to 
things like player payments and and contracts and things of the of that sort. Yeah, so I think you know if we're talking very tactically about this season, and if it were to happen, let's say later on in the year, whatever it is, because one keeps hearing about potential windows later on in the year, etc. Uh, yeah. So there, I think you know the the simple answer to that is you know we're all guided by a contract, and uh, I mean the short answer is that if God forbid if there is no season, then there is no obligation uh, on the part of the franchise to pay anything. Uh, to, to to players. That's if the season doesn't happen, then there is no obligation. Have that is uh, set. A, that is uh, sort of absolutely bottom line. That's not a, a yeah yeah yeah. I think yeah. that's pretty clear. That's pretty, yeah okay. Yeah, it's okay. pretty clear. If the season doesn't happen, you know, there's obviously no revenue, and therefore uh, there are no uh, you know payments either. Uh, I would imagine that there is if it is if it ends up being a a, a truncated season. A shortened format, let's say, uh, which we have not really thought through that much. But uh, uh, and and if it's going, to, if there's going to be a window later in the year, I, I can't see why it will be a shortened format. It might very well be a full format. Right. Uh, you know, my sense there is that uh, it will be pro rata, pro, perhaps, because okay. it will be. I mean, there are times when we even do the pro rata calculation even now, because it could very well be. You know, for example, if a player only comes for half the season, right? Uh, because they have other international commitments. I mean, this uh, formula has been applied in the past, where uh, you know, you if uh, you know, if you're playing 14 games, uh, you sort of look at it on a per game basis and uh, you prorate the payment. So, uh, so I think that the contract. Uh, I've not seen it in that level of detail, but I'm pretty sure that's how it'll work. That uh, if it is a shortened season, it'll be pro rata. If there's no season, uh, there's uh, there's no obligation. Venki, let me just ask you a question about uh, you know the, the possibility of the IPL taking place in some uh, form. Uh, there's a school of thought that says uh, we shouldn't have foreign players. It's all right if they can't travel. Let's play with the with, let's play only with uh, Indian players. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, see, personally, my view is that see the strength of IPL. And why, why it has caught the imagination of uh, the the country at large in India as well as the world on a world stage is the quality of the product and the best of the best. I mean, this is this is the pinnacle, literally. And every cricketer aspires to come and be part of IPL. So I don't, I really don't think that we should uh, we should even think along those lines unless it is a situation which is an absolute no go. Uh, I think we should make every effort because I think the the, the foreigners, although there are it's it's predomin- predominantly Indian players, seven in a team and four foreigners, uh, it's the quality of that mix that comes in and and really makes the product what it is. So I'm of the strong view that the format of the tournament should not be tinkered with, and I don't think we should do that. It should not it should not become a glorified domestic tournament. Uh, because I think you lose a lot of fans in the process and it'll be just for the sake of doing it type of a thing. So uh, there's a there's a tremendous, I mean, the, the combination, the synergies that uh, comes in with Indian players, foreign players together and the quality of the tournament and the competition and everything else goes to another level. Uh, so we should not tinker with that uh, format which has been so carefully built uh, so that's that's my that's uh, our outlook, and I think most people would uh, would agree to that. I think most of the franchises, I know there may be 
one or two who might have a different point of view. But uh, I think majority would basically say that that's how it should be. Venki, given the fact that there are, you see around you, there are sporting leagues that are starting uh, all over. They've got all their uh, safety protocols in place. Do you have any kind of a um, contingency plan as to how the IPL should conduct itself, uh, you know, with, with no um, crowds if needed? Do you think it can be done? Do you think it's possible? You know, there has been a lot of conversation that has happened sort of offline and uh, uh, just sort of trying to imagine what that format would look like. And, uh, you know, different countries have also thought about it. I mean, I read somewhere that, you know, Australia was talking about when India tours Australia or scheduled to tour uh, Australia, that they would have all the test matches in one venue type of thing. Uh, Because, you know, people are trying to think through how best can we make sure that the tournament happens in a very contained manner with, uh, with, with, with all due respects to the protocol, the health and the well-being. Players are coming, Indian players are going to be there, foreign players are going to be there, support staff. Uh, so one thought that was, uh, uh, that, that we were tossing around, which, which can be very realistic is to basically say, and we did this in, uh, in UAE, frankly, uh, Sharda, because, uh, we played in Dubai, we played in Abu Dhabi, we played in Sharjah. So that was an interesting model where basically there yeah. were no flights. There were uh, just buses that were taking players back and forth. So if we were to think of something like that, the idea that was tossed around was uh, what if you think of a city like Mumbai? There are already you know, four grounds here. I mean, if you include yeah. the Reliance ground, I mean, Market A, CCI, DY Patil. And if you also think about Pune, which is only two and a half hours away, you could easily contain the whole activity. You can assign a, 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 a one hotel to each team and make sure that each team has two buses, fully sanitized and proper distancing maintained. So the logistics of travel is completely removed from it. No airports, no flights. So you reduce or minimize the risk to a level where people right. feel quite comfortable and can live with it. So that could be a model. That actually could be a model, uh, assuming that everything is under control. I mean, this is obviously uh, on the premise that things are under control and uh, that we get the we get some kind of uh, a tacit blessing from all the powers to be to stage it, and it can be done in that fashion. So I think it's a it's a very doable type of a, a, a model, and in this environment, to be able to do something like that, if we can pull it off, would be fascinating. Without without touching the, the quality of the product that we have all so carefully built. Right. Uh, uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, everyone is hoping that there, that there, will, be, uh, that there will be a season uh, of some kind, of, of some amount uh, fitted in somewhere uh, because uh, the IPL is central to a lot of things around Indian sport as well as global cricket. Um, uh, this is a sort of slightly different question to... to uh, the course that other conversation we've had at the uh, till now, Venki, is uh, uh, you come from a background of uh, working for an MNC uh, where um, you know end targets and results were quantifiable, gettable, predictable in in a way, uh, and now you are involved in this extremely unpredictable business in what is still a very nascent uh, franchise. Uh, uh, it's about 12 years and, and, and running, if my maths is good. Um, mm-hmm. So what what has that experience been like? What, is the, what are the biggest 
pains of of running uh, of, of running a franchise and uh, what's the fun that comes with a job like this that is so um uh, mercurial which changes all the time uh, you've got fans to answer you've got uh, you know super owners to answer who, which who which I will also <laughs> ask about a little later yes. uh, what has that experience been like given the fact that you came from a completely different um working environment no i think it's a, it's a great question and you know we Uh, I think about that a lot, and uh, it seems like a, a, my distant past because I completed. I, I I mean, we were entering the 13th season this year of IPL, and I've uh, this would have been my my 11th uh, season, if you will. So, um, uh, you know, I I think that the way we've I've approached it and we have approached it is to sort of uh, separate the two things. Uh, one is one is the cricket side of things and the business side of things. and from the business side of things we try to make it as predictable as possible actually it's a very straightforward model as a sports franchise while there are so many <laughs> different opportunities uh, because you know your streams of revenue uh, essentially are coming from your media rights and uh, uh, the the team sponsorship and your ticket revenue and then there is another fourth bucket which could be things like sponsor uh, sorry merchandising licensing uh certain other key initiatives that are in there in terms of digital revenue etc etc um uh and and on the expense side again it's it's fairly straightforward because there is a franchise fee to be paid to IPL BCCI and then there is player fees and then you have your operational expenses so what we have tried to do and you know uh, we have we've tried to professionalize our business as much as possible and uh, i think we have largely succeeded and you know people when people tell us that you know, perhaps the most professionally run franchise you know makes us feel happy because that's that's one of the things that we set out to do and yeah. the reason for that is uh, is to is to ensure that there is predictability of the business and uh, so from that perspective you know we tried to bring it down with uh, with data and with reporting and with uh, with the tools that we use and the processes that we put in place that when it comes to sponsorship for example you know we yeah. have a very we have a very uh, scientific way in which we we sort of value the assets that we have so i mean there are reports that float around i mean depending on which one you read then say that you know we are easily among the top 2 most valuable franchises uh, in 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 the league and even in terms of our brand you know we we are always in the, among the top 2 at least you know if if not number 1 uh, so what does that mean what that means is that it's really the value that we are able to bring to the brands who want to partner with us right i i always uh, believe that you build the franchise on two very strong pillars you know, one being the brand and the other one being the fan base you know? because right. these are the two things that actually are drivers of all revenue So and, from, and the, sorry, uh, let me just interrupt. Uh, uh, the yeah. cricket then is almost incidental, or it's almost outside of these two things, or it's you no. have to have success. I mean, uh, in, in some of it, uh, relative uh, success. Anyway, should do. absolutely, absolutely. No, I'll come to that because that's why I said you know when we separate right. the two. See, right. I, I I look at cricket as the product. So if you look okay. at any any business, you know you look at the levers that uh, one operates. within and you know how you are able to tweak this and tweak that to get the end result that you want 
I mean, the cricket is is the product that we are putting out there. You know, so the whole strategy around cricket in terms of uh, how you build, how you go prepared for the auction, you know, the the trading that you do and the kind of uh, retention strategies that you adopt uh, right. and how you read the conditions and therefore the support staff that you put to and the, the, the composition of your team, etc., is the one that eventually gives you the, or at least puts you in the best position to achieve success on the field. And so all of that I put into one bucket and that's that's really the product. And so, right. yes, on-field performance is crucial to gain credibility. But when you start yeah. looking at, uh, at certain franchises around the world, I mean, I'll give you an example of uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, which is a you know which is a franchise which actually hadn't hadn't won anything in years. You know? Yeah. But they're one yeah. of the most valuable franchises. You know? right. Why that is is because the relationship that you build with the fans is not always based on results. You know? It is it's a right. very unique relationship that you build, and everybody, all fans of all teams, would love for the team to lift the trophy at the end of the year. Yes. I mean, we all start on that same basis. But yes. reality is only one team is going to do that. But how yes. do you stay competitive? I mean, if you look at if you look at what we have done and uh, is that we've, we've always been a contender uh, over the last yeah. 10 years. You know, and we've yes. always been there, thereabouts. And, you know, it, when you win the trophy and when we have won the championship twice here and we won it three times in the Caribbean. So we are used to winning. We know how yeah. to win. But what you <laughs> yes. realize when you win that a to a, one is to be humble and two you realize how difficult it is to win yes and then you realize my god i mean you know mumbai indians have won four times hats off to them two of the games they won by one run yeah and so yeah. it could have easily gone the other way does that make them any less uh, if they've lost those two or does it make the teams right. that have lost you know so it, that's the yeah. way it goes that's that's sport for you you know Right. In, in in one move, one fraction of a second here and there. I mean, 2018, we assembled a brand new team under a new captain. And everyone said, oh, my God, you know, they they don't know what they're doing. You know, we were we were a few runs away from going to the final. Yeah. And had yeah. we gone to the final, who knows what would have happened. So that's yeah. the way it goes. So what you attempt to do there with, with your uh, team strategy and cricket strategy is to always be in contention and always be a contender there. Right. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, once I was just having an offline chat with uh, with MS Dhoni, and uh, he's fantastic, you know, he's a tremendous yeah. uh, person, man of few words, but when he talks, you know, you always listen. And he was saying that, listen, I mean, the objective is always to be in the top four. After that, it's a lottery, he said. Yes. So which is yes. which is so well said. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and 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 so therefore, the product is very important. Cricket is very important, but. Uh, as I said, you know, we try to the predictability that you talked about or the unpredictability, we try to remove it on the business side. Okay. So much so that you want to be that the whole ecosystem and the infrastructure that you build, which has to support, uh, you know, the, the product that's out on display to the, the world at large and our fans at large. For that to thrive and for that to work well and for you to be able to afford it also. Yeah. You need to make sure that your business is uh, is built on robust uh, foundation. So that's kind of how we approach it. And you know, perhaps my 
the the experience that you talked about is something that always comes to uh, comes to my rescue because I've had a, <laughs> I got a lot of scar tissue in uh, in having run different businesses of very large scales. You know, so yeah, uh, I, I you know that's something that over the years in different uh, in different uh, parts of the world that you learn from and uh, and you know obviously been passionate about sports as well. So how do you bring all of these things to bear? in an environment of unpredictability, as you put it, in terms of results on the field, but yet create a, a, an ecosystem that can, uh, that can be robust and supported. Right. Uh, just, uh, I've got a couple of other questions uh, for you now. Now, of course, the little third one that's just come in. Uh, was there any point uh, during your entire KKR experience that you said, what am I doing here? I really shouldn't have taken this job. <laughs> uh, to be honest, no. I okay. tell you, it's, it has been... One heck of a ride, you know. It's uh, it's absolutely. Uh, I, I I think you know what all of all of us aspire to do is to to enjoy what you're doing, yeah. and uh, you know the the the, the money and uh, uh, you know the success of the franchise and all of those things are. I mean, sometimes it's surreal to me. <laughs> I mean, I, I I remember the my very first game when I took over and uh, I joined KKR after three seasons. So the fourth yeah. season, then we had the big auction. We put a brand new team together. And the very first game was a KKR versus CSK game at Chennai. Right. And, and for me, it was, it was a very emotional experience because yes. uh, although I'm from Karnataka originally, I actually grew up in Chennai. Yeah. Uh, my, my father was transferred to Chennai as soon as I was born. So I literally... Right. You know, went to school there and I grew up there. Yeah. And and I've gone and uh, stood in line uh, like any youngster in uh, Chipok Stadium, Mechidavaram, eventually yeah. to buy tickets. And, you know, we all played cricket and I made it up to university level, etc. So uh, played there, you know, watched as a youngster. And then suddenly to be sitting there in a KKR yeah. jersey, you know, <laughs> Next to next to none other than SRK, <laughs> watching that game for me was like, you know, I had to pinch myself and say, what has happened here? So, and that emotion has not changed. I mean, even till today, uh, it's it's amazing how you know you do. Uh, I know Andre Russell said something recently about goosebumps, mm. and uh, I get that all the time. I mean, when uh, when we're watching a KKR game or uh, or a TKR game in uh, Queens right. Park Oval, I think. Yeah. The, the excitement is the same, so I've never sort of said to myself, "What have I done?" But uh, uh, but there are there are frustrating moments, no doubt about it. <laughs> and because that's what sports does to you, you know, because yes. you want to win all the time, and then yes. suddenly, oh my God, you know, how did we, how did we, how did this happen? And you know, why did we drop that catch? And you know, what if we yeah. keep we keep reminiscing over that and uh, and and sweat it out at times? But anyway, that's it is what it is. Um, literally just a, a couple of things again. I mean, uh, KKR, uh, the Knight Riders, they are sort of spreading their wins and uh, we've, uh, you, you had a part to play in the South African League, which then, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't get held. Um, and of course, then there's the Trinbago Knight Rider connection. And now we're hearing about uh, the 100. Um, yeah. So, uh, the what if, I mean, this is a hypothetical question uh, that uh, we had that uh, what if, uh, you know, the situation changed and uh, the ECB said, listen, we're not doing the 100, we're doing a T20 uh, franchise. 
uh, the way it's done elsewhere, not the way, not how the vitality blast is run. Uh, w- w- is that something uh, that you would be interested in, or is it the hundred the the format that that has excited uh, uh, the night riders uh, folks that listen? This is what we should get into. What about the hundred has excited you to to want to sort of play a part there? So let, let me just step back and and give you a sense as to uh, you know people say that we are the only sort of genuine global brand in cricket and yeah. and that happened because you know I mean again it's my you can say it's my business orientation and I was part of uh, as part of the MNC experience and I was in international operations and in in various countries building the businesses around right. the world and and so for me the thing was. You look at IPL and basically say, okay, two months, the tournament takes place. Very high decibel, uh, strong following, massive yeah. wave of it, and it's a phenomenon. And But th- then there is a period leading up to that, let's say a month, where the excitement starts, and then there is a little bit of a wind down after the finals. The wind down happens very quickly, so roughly three, three and a half months. Then yeah. my my thought was, you know, how do you keep the brand alive? I, I mentioned about the brand and the fan base. How do you keep yes. your fans engaged? How do you keep your brand alive around the year? And uh, while there was always some talk in the earlier stages about a second IPL window or an extended window, yes. I realized, I realized, you know, I mean, if it happens, it happens. But I don't, I didn't sort of think that it was likely that would happen. So then how do you do all of these types of things? So my thought was that if we are able to look at assets around the world, and you are able to own and acquire and own assets around the world. And in an ideal world, if it gets timed in such a way that you're going from one tournament to the other to the other, and right. on, on a common platform of Knight Riders, uh, for me, that's how we sort of imagined our business plan back right. when I when I started. And so, uh, I mean, you'll, you'll, you, you might know or may not that, you know, actually when Big Bash was going to launch itself, they came to talk to us about it. Okay. And uh, there were expansion teams in Sydney and Melbourne. And so Cricket Australia and both the teams came to have a conversation with us. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we asked a lot of questions uh, mm-hmm. because it's a business investment that you think of. Yes. And they were not ready for it, and which was fine. They So therefore, they went with a completely different model, which was a centralized model uh, yeah. run, run on a central basis. Yeah. So starting with that, we have always had that type of an orientation to building our business. And therefore, the word also got out that there is a franchisier who's interested. And then I think we have built our own credibility in terms of how we have built our business, how we have run it, and how we have made our business very viable. And if you see in terms of the fan base, we uh, we have to be among the, among the biggest fan bases uh, of of any franchise, to be honest. I mean. And, and then the way what we do with content and what we do with digital and how we engage our fans and the merchandising licensing strategies that we have uh, and the innovation that we have brought in in terms of, you know, the deliverables to brands who associate with us, uh, you know, the analytics that we use and, uh, you know, return on investment, how we calculate. So there's a there's a whole host of things that we do as a franchise. And I think the word gets around. Right. And when when support staff and when players who come and engage with us, uh, they see how we run our business and how we run the franchise. Uh, there's always a lot of positivity that uh, positive messages that, that go back so much so that whenever any new league comes up, be it in cricket or even other sports, mm. somehow or the other, the first proposal ends up on my desk. Seriously, because they all realize that 
we are able to come in and add value to the league. I mean, it's one thing that the league adds value to us, which is also it's yeah. a two-way street. Yeah. But they realize the value that we're able to add to it. I'll give you one example uh, that we've been in uh, the Caribbean for five years. Yeah. Uh, 2015 uh, till the last season. And so in five years, we won the championship three times and we've been in the finals twice. So we are clearly one of the, the most successful teams there. And we call us as Trinbego Night Riders. And so uh, what happened there was that the, although there are no Indian players uh, there yeah. uh, so far, and hopefully someday in the future it will happen, but uh, the Indian viewership of CPL was not very high when we went in. It was right. somewhere in the 22 million range. And of course, right. and how they calculate that and all that. In five years' time, it has gone to almost 150 million, 150. Right. And the only connect that Indian fans have to Trinbago Night Riders is us. The Night Riders. That yeah. Night Riders is the common place there. Yeah. So this is this is one example of the value that uh, you know one is able to add to leagues. So therefore, any new league that that pops up or existing leagues, when there is an opportunity, there's a conversation that always happens, and they understand that you know we think differently and we are long-term players and we are. Once we get in, you know, we are there for good. And uh, not just in the cricket sense, you know, we have good citizens. I mean, even now we've done some very interesting things on the CSR side in Trinidad and Tobago, which, yes. is our, which is our second home there. And it's a difficult time during the pandemic, so we have done certain things, and people appreciate that. And I even managed to convince SRK to come to Trinidad, and when he came there, he was completely blown away by what he saw. Right. And and the people there just absolutely love him and yeah. uh, the TKI brand and everything else. And we went out to a restaurant and all he sees around there, you know, our colors there are red, white and black because that's the color of the Trinidad flag. Yeah. And literally everyone is wearing a TKI jersey and you know it's, it's, it's a fantastic uh, type of thing to happen. Therefore, back to the question on 100, it's not so much the format, but it's our business strategy. Okay. It is it is really our business strategy to take our brand global. And by the same token, while we are always interested, there are many uh, proposals where we've looked at it and we said this doesn't fit our strategy. This doesn't this is not for us and we've turned it down. And the model and, is fairly central in this, that it has to be a model where you have a say in. Uh, you know, you have full control. It's, absolutely. It can't be that, yeah. uh, absolutely. See, for example, TKR, you know, we own it 100%, IPL 100%, perpetual rights, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, our, our ability to brand, our ability to bring in our colors wherever it makes sense. So right. that type of thought process, and even in terms of a business model, I call it the hub and spoke model, the hub right. being India and the spoke being uh, wherever we operate. Whether yeah. it is whether it is South Africa when we went in, we took the Cape Town franchise, we believe we still have a placeholder there, but that they, they sooner or later yeah. might change the model. And, yeah. uh, you know, if they ask us, you know, we, we would uh, we would engage again. Okay. And, and similarly in the Caribbean. And similarly, there are conversations that are happening in certain other parts of the world. And so when this question was asked of me, I said, listen, I mean, if, if, uh, if ECB looks at uh, a different model for 100, mm. uh, which, is, which is an ownership model, Hmm. Uh, they were going with a centralized type of model similar to Big Bash, but if they were yeah. going to go with a uh, uh, with private investment and, a, uh, and they wanted they wanted the night riders in there, we'll consider it very uh, we'll be very keen to look at it and we'll look at it very positively. And if right. it all fits uh, the strategy and if 
if it makes sense for them and for us, you know, we could very well be there as well. So that's kind of our, our mindset around it. So, uh, uh, you know, that that's basically how we look at business opportunities and evaluate them as well as, uh, uh, in many cases, bring it to bring it to fruition. Uh, uh, which uh, city in the UK? Again, hypothetical. Uh, you know, as <laughs> they say, uh, in the in the UK would interest uh, the night riders. Just I like, don't, I don't think I don't think there is any mindset right now about it because you know, frankly, okay. there is no. Uh, I mean, see, when we went to the Caribbean, we were very clear that it had to be Trinidad. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, for obvious reasons, a. You know, the demographics is such that, you know, 40, 45 percent of the population are of Indian origin. Of course, yeah. immigrants two, three generations ago. Yeah. And yeah. then and then we had Trinidad's favorite son in our team, Sunil Narayan. Yes. So it, yeah. it had to be Trinidad. <laughs> so yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, that was very clear. Uh, here we haven't really, I mean, we haven't even given that any thought. I mean, frankly, it is much more the opportunity. And okay. if it's the right opportunity and if, if it makes sense and... Uh, and all of that will certainly certainly have a conversation and more than prepared to have a conversation about it. Uh, fantastic. Venki, just one last question, which I think yes. a lot of people will ask mm-hmm. uh, or may not ask. Uh, what is it like working with uh, Shah Rukh Khan? Well, you know, I tell you, it's been uh, it's been one of my uh, one of the per- I tell people one of the perks of my job is that I'm constantly in the company of uh, high performance <laughs> people <laughs> on the, uh, I mean, obviously he's my boss and uh, he doesn't ever, he has never behaved like a boss, nor uh, do I consider it that way in, in that formal way. But, uh, but it's fascinating. I'll tell you why, because he's probably one of the more, most uh, unique individuals that I've come across. I mean, his, his innate, uh, intelligence is uh, amazing. I mean, he's a very high Q, high IQ type of person, uh, and a high EQ type of person as well, uh, because his uh, level of empathy and his uh, understanding of uh, how people are feeling and and the way he, you know, in in a very humble way treats people is uh, is amazing. And uh, you know, somehow or the other, from from day one, he was addressing me as Venki sir. So I think you know that itself tells you a little bit about uh, you know how he uh, his own disposition. But uh, the conversations that we have had and what I've learned has been unbelievable because uh, he has this ability to I call it sit in a helicopter and look at it from not necessarily a thirty thousand feet but a ten thousand feet view, and yeah. and he has a great sense of what works. And his vision for that. And I, I, I take an idea and I like to be prepared when I go and I take this idea and <clears throat> think that it's a big idea. And what he does is he loves the idea. He's always supportive. Never had him say, no, we don't want to do this. I'm yeah. the one who's actually uh, saying no to several things. But he takes that idea and makes it 10 times bigger. And that's that's his unique ability to sort of visualize it to a level which is... Uh, which which I had not been able to visualize, and so I come back with a wow. Now this is such a yeah. so much of yeah. a bigger idea. So that's that's fascinating. Uh, but but the general positive demeanor of his and his own outlook and the energy that uh, that he brings. I mean, when it's it's always a pleasure. So uh, and is never once. I mean, I'm the one because of my orientation, yeah. my <laughs> immensely experienced others. I'm. 
I'm preparing reports and I'm going to him and I want to take you through yeah. this and have review yeah. meeting. He he has unconditional confidence and faith. And that's what makes me uh, even more become more and more responsible <laughs> because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, he, he absolutely once I had done a, I should give you a quick anecdote. I'd done, sure, sure. I mean, yeah. this is the first time actually we produced uh, a profit in KKR. This was in the early days. And I I prepared a, a very detailed type of report and I sought appointment and I showed it to him and he probably saw it for about 10 seconds and 15 seconds and <laughs> and then he went into some other conversation. I was actually, I must say I was a touch disappointed that uh, I, I put in so much effort and he, he really didn't even see it much, you know. And then his, his intuitive uh, uh, abilities are so strong that he looks at me and he's telling somebody else, he said, you know, Venkis, I was wondering why I didn't spend enough time looking at what he's showing me. And he said, let me explain to you why I didn't. And he said, just when I look at, when I glance at this report, I know how much effort has gone into it and how much thought he has put into it. Yeah. And he said, if, if I spend three days also, I'll never be able to understand it. Uh, because he's 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 the expert at it, and I'll never be able to understand it. In fact, I'll be insulting him if I ask him to explain that to me. Right. And so all I need to know is that we are doing well and we are happy, and yeah. we go on. For me, it was a great lesson yeah. in, in terms of you know how you treat people and uh, you know one's own confidence that you express in certain ways. So uh, from that perspective. It's been fascinating. It continues to be, and uh, every interaction is a learning experience. So, uh, so I feel very fortunate. Uh, what's it been like in the in the COVID uh, situation with uh, his sort of you know everyone's worried about their business. Is he worried about is he worried about the business business of uh, uh, the night riders and so on? Not at all. You know, see, because you know what I've been able to explain to him is that you know the way we have run the business, uh, you know, is that we have. Fortunately, made uh, the business very, uh, very robust, and uh, you know we're in a strong financial position. So that's a that's a good place to be, and we've also managed our uh, reserves and investments in a way where, uh, I mean, since I was in that business for years, you know, I'm a big believer in making sure that we are not too over ambitious with some of those things, or or uh, yeah. or cowboys going out and investing yeah. here and doing those types of things. So I'm uh, fairly conservative in my outlook there in terms of managing money. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's a phase. I think he understands. All of us understand it's a phase, and uh, he is a complete believer in in saying that you know we've got to we've got to keep our resources intact as in talent mm-hmm. you know, because it's easy for us to say short run we need to do this we need to do that cut here, cut there, and right. you know, do this and do that. You know, that's the easiest thing to do. But how do you ride through this, uh, you know, turbulence, hopefully, which is a short-term turbulence? And at the uh, same time, imagine our business in a way, as I explained earlier in our conversation, to to be prepared for something that, that could uh, turn out to be extremely exciting. So uh, that's the kind of message he gives, and that's the message that I give to, to the team. And, uh, and and try to keep everybody in uh, in the in the right spirits and, and and but put them to work in terms of opening their minds and thinking about our businesses so that we can uh, we can be ready when when the when the curtain goes up again. Thank you, Maestro. Let's hope the curtain goes up again uh, in a, in a reasonably short period of time. It's been absolutely fascinating uh, talking to you here on uh, Stump Mike. 
uh, we are full of uh, new ideas. This was supposed to be a half an hour conversation. It's it's uh, my recorder is showing me an hour. Uh, but thank you so much and uh, 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 all the very best wishes to you and to KKR and thank you for uh, coming on ESPN Cricket for Stump Mike. My pleasure, Sharda. Thank you very much. Uh, you're, you're always a thorough professional and it's great having the conversation with you. And uh, the more we speak about these types of things, there is a little bit more clarity that comes into my head as well. So thank <laughs> you for that. And uh, I think it's a, it's a joint effort on all our parts and Let's hope that the biggest product that uh, in sports that India has uh, is proud to have developed will will keep its uh, quality the way we have imagined it, and uh, hopefully there will be an opportunity for uh, for us to showcase that uh, later on this year. Thank you again. Thank you.